You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, fellas. How you doing this week? Hey, David Hall. Hello, hello. And Tony Groves. Good evening, gentlemen. All right. Welcome, everybody. Uh, it's going to be a crazy Talladega week. And now I'd like to welcome to the show uh, special guest Garrett Maines of Elliott Sadler Esports. How are you doing, Garrett? Doing pretty well, David. So you and I see each other a lot on the NIS schedule, or I see you kind of way up there towards the front when I'm running that top split. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been a good season for us. We've uh, we put a lot of time in at the beginning of the year to get out to uh, to a good points lead, and you know, just trying to learn what we can. Yeah, very consistent. You're always pretty well contending for the win anytime anytime we're in there. In fact, I was looking through your driver statistics, and the one that jumps off the jumps right out right off the bat is 47 top split NIS wins. That's a pretty impressive number. Yeah, and a lot of that came from this year. And thank you. Um, definitely couldn't have done it without you know all the guys at ESC have definitely learned a lot this year, and um, I've I've had a really really good season. So. Uh, it's my first time going full time for NIS Open. Just you know, trying to get a feel for you know running against high level competition and you know figuring out where where I need to be on setup building and you know what works and what doesn't. And uh, part of the impetus for us bringing you on was to congratulate you and have you be our first pr- upcoming pro driver uh, for this year's series, trying to make it into the Coke series. So congratulations on making that. If you want to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that was that's it's been a crazy season, to be honest with you. I didn't really think um, that we had a very good chance towards the end, um, especially in the final race. Uh, it came down to my two best tracks, arguably. Um, I knew going into Martinsville that I could definitely top five it if we kept it all in one piece, and I just happened to qualify dead last like it was it was a mistake and i knew that we weren't actually that you know that far off um but that was kind of one of those things where i was like ah, here we go uh just not where we wanted to be and as the race went on we just ended up driving straight through the field it was actually insane um and it just goes to show how much you know time and effort everybody at you know at esc put into that into that car and you know to be able to actually do that um, and go get my first NIS win that was, or NIS, RTP win that was uh, insane. So we talk about, we've talked to a lot of the Coke drivers about how many how many hours they put in per week for those setups or per two weeks. Uh, about how much time would you guess you guys have, have been in t- spent in testing? You know, it's it's hard to put a a number to that. I know typically I do probably 1030s, which doesn't sound like a lot, but uh, there's a lot of you know 20 lap, 10 lap uh, runs that we do in between, and the amount of time we spend in the garage. And I'm not the only person doing runs. You know, sometimes I'm on the on the box doing adjustments and stuff. It it probably runs out to be somewhere around 10, 20 hours a week 
um, just for that. And then you got NIS and, you know, for, for me and Vicente, we got rally cross and, um, just a lot of time goes into doing the different stuff. You know, every once in a while we run the road course events actually this weekend's uh, petite Le Mans. Um, so I'm thinking about putting something together for that tomorrow night. We'll see. But, well, uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that because right now I don't have anybody to run with. I know in the morning I have to, I actually have a YouTube recording session for my symphony, but we'll be, uh, I'd be looking for somebody to run with if you want to hop into one of the GTEs. Yeah, I think that's what we're planning on doing. I'm not sure what car um, just yet. I'm pretty sure the guys want to do Corvette, but literally zero laps have been turned um, to make it happen. But I think we'll be okay. It's just going to come down to if I can, you know, figure something out, set it up, you know, grab VRS or, you know, a different whatever setup I need to uh, to baseline off of and go from there. Those are fun events. We It's definitely changed now that you have to have the team preset as well. Yeah, uh, I'm actually glad they did that because, you know, it's always been in the past where you knew that you had to sandbag because everybody else was going to sandbag. Like you could go in <clears throat> and have a you know, 2,500 I rating driver sign you up and you race against nothing but 4,000 I ratings the entire race, you know, as a median, just because everybody went for the their lowest uh lowest irating driver to sign up now you're going to actually get a true average which works out much better because you know you're going to actually average it 3k well great your competition is going to average at 3k too so it just makes it for those people that have a really varying range of uh you know of skill in the team it should balance them out a lot better than it would so you mentioned you're also running rallycross and you already you're already in the pro level series there correct Correct. Uh, me and Vicente made it back into the series this year. I made it last year. Um, once again in the Volkswagen, I'm honestly kind of upset with the way everything's going. We will see if they change anything. Um, right now, the rules are skewed in favor of the Subaru. Last year, the Subarus were just outright faster by about four tenths a lap, which that that almost feels like the Mercedes dominating GT3 except probably much, much drasticer. Um, now it's not as drastic where the Beatles keep up in the race, but it's super hard and impossible to actually compete for a championship considering now they reset the track for qualifying, which on paper sounds you know fine, but the Subarus are about three-tenths faster than the Volkswagens on a fresh track. So if they give qualifying points, which they only pay top six in qualifying, and they're like, way more Subarus. I mean, literally, like, a Beetle can be on top of the board all day long, and then you go into qualifying, and 12 Subarus will out-qualify the first non-Subaru, even though that's been the, you know, the dominant driver all day. Um, so it's impossible to get the points there. You have to start from the back, or the mid-pack of the heats. They only take the top two out of the heats, and then you move on to the Concy, and if you finish third, well, now you've got an entire field of cars that are going for the must-win situation to get in. So it just... It's it's an uphill battle, um, but I wanted to stick with what I knew. And Vicente, um, you know, signed with Andretti Autosport for uh, for the World Championship, so he was he was definitely stuck with the Beetle. Not saying that's a bad thing, but um, you know, I, I'd already run it throughout the pro, pro qualifying series, and you know, it was the the one car that I definitely felt most comfortable uh, staying with. I do believe we're talking a little bit about the that series in one of our articles that we're covering here a little bit later in the show. So, uh, you mentioned that you run for Elliott Sadler Esports. I remember that that team formed up right around the time uh, the lockdown happened. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about that experience? 
Yeah. Um, you know, we, we got through probably, I think it was four weeks of RTP, three weeks, something like that. Um, we had a, a separation between um, Legacy and some of the guys that are all now on Elliot Sadler Esports. And um, I'm not honestly 100% sure how it came together. It was sort of a deal with uh, Michael Jeans and some other guys that, you know, were had been talking with Elliot. Um, but once that all came together, it was just like the perfect fit. You know, everybody that had worked together on uh, on Legacy had just moved on, you know, to Elliot Sadler Esports. And, you know, we're, we're still a really, really small team and everybody works together and you know it's a really good working system where everybody you know puts in a lot of effort and we you know reap the reward of that and a lot of the guys are all from the virginia area aren't you um i a lot of us are on the east coast i think michael's in texas and then vicente and seth are from california but a lot of us are from around here in a general area um i've met liam before I've never met uh, Michael, and he's been on the box for me for like three years. So eventually, that's got to happen. But um, I've met Elliot. Um, I should have met Brendan a couple weeks ago, but didn't get the chance. We're all sort of, you know, sort of close, but we're all, you know, in the same uh, same age range to an extent on uh, the setup building stuff. Uh, everybody that actually works together uh, for the RTP that minus jeans. Um, we're all pretty much around the same age group, so it 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 just works. You know what I mean? Uh, I've also gotten to race with your father quite a few times. How do you, how do you like getting to be out on the track with your father? It's it's pretty neat having a father son duel in eye racing like we see in the real in real life track. <laughs> if he watches this, um, <laughs> he'll understand exactly what I mean. It's a lot of fun to race with him, but dang, on it, I don't want to race super speedways with them. <laughs> Yeah, super speedways have not been uh, not been friendly between the two of us, but it's a lot of fun to be able to race um, the mile and a half, uh, you know, to be able to run with them on the short tracks. Super speedways, every single time, it's like he wants to ride and I want to go, and then I end up in front of him, and it's like, well, we're going to the back. Uh, we have run into the same kind of arguments on the, on the team. There's some guys who like to hang in the back. Uh, I I want to always stay, try to stay in the front two or three rows at least. I don't necessarily yep. have to lead. Yeah, but that's me. It just—it's better to be there. I think there's just more chance in the back to get hit. So let's talk a little bit of equipment. Uh, what? Uh, what's your rig? What are you driving? Well, I actually have a sim seat now. Um, I actually work for sim seats, but before that, I got a what do you call it—a deal to run with you know Richmond Raceway Esports for like a development driver. And part of the agreement was that I was going to get a sim seat. Then I got a job there. So I definitely got one then, um, and I, I absolutely love it. Um, I, I run AccuForce um, for my wheel, and then I've got Fanatec inverted pedals. I run the uh, the Notorious H-Pattern from Fanatec, which I love, but um, I have money shifted before, so I understand the pain. Um, and then I run the Handbrake. I just got that. I actually really like it. it it's weird. Like It almost feels like you're using a button. But you just get a little bit more control that you you wouldn't have um, with using a switch or a button as a handbrake. That's got to be got got to be a must have if you're in that pro series for the rally cross, eh? You don't use it for like for actually making hot laps and stuff, but there's situations that you get put in that you need to get a little bit sideways and you know not completely just kill your momentum. So it is nice to be able to like pull twenty five percent. And just, you know, pop it out a little bit instead of, you know, on or off. 
Have you gone VR or triples? I'm on V or I'm on triples. I've tried VR. I'm not a huge fan of it because it can't see up the road. Um, I feel like I'm moving around too much um, to really to really like it, especially like in Rallycross. I feel like there's so much going on already. I prefer to just see everything without having to turn my head per se, um, instead of you know having to actually look around. It's just you get a bigger field of view with triples. Sometimes it's you know probably a little more than you should get, but it's definitely but an advantage to be able to see stuff coming. You've been in a real car too, haven't you? Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I, you definitely see a little bit more in the uh, in the triple monitors. But I mean, that all comes down to you know some people are really short in a race car and they see. You know, they can't see squat either. I, I used to run um, Legends when I was I was pretty small still, and I couldn't see the hood pen. Well, good luck seeing the apex. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can move yourself around where if, if you're on VR. To, to, I mean, you can do the same thing with triples for sure. Do you run any other any leagues, or are you just focusing on the official series? Um, I was running the um, Outlaw Super Late Model uh, series, but... I'm not sure if I'm going to continue to run that. There's, um, I think it's just gotten to the point where it's kind of broken up a little bit. Um, but it was a really cool series while I got to run that. Um, other than that, I don't actually think I'm running um, any any leagues now. I'm about to start an IndyCar one um, on Wednesday nights. Um, I haven't done that since I used to run Top Fuel um, back when Sage Karam was doing it. That was actually a lot of fun. I, I loved running the IndyCars. Um, now, now it's honestly just a faster NASCAR <laughs> with the way you race it. So, um, definitely looking forward to getting into that. But a lot of the, a lot of times sucked up with, you know, with pro and the, the rally cross pro and running NIS and some other series, just trying to, you know, to keep myself, you know, going and learning stuff, um, just so I can keep that, you know, speed up for when it really matters being, uh, attuned to all the updates and stuff that comes out. Uh, I'm kind of jumping around here, but we we don't really talk so much about the new tire model now, but one of the other biggest changes lately has been the tire limits. How have you liked that both with the Road to Pro and the NIS series? Yeah, tire limits are like uh, green-white checkers when they first came out, except much more drastic. Um, you can definitely win or lose a race because of tire limits. Uh, you can be the dominant car and just pick the safe 70-30% you know, odds and just go for the better odds and still lose the race even though you're the fastest car. So that that's sort of frustrating. I feel like we probably should get two sets and fixed. That's kind of why I stayed away from it for a while, just because it does come down to chance. Like When you only have one set for 50 laps, that's kind of... It, it really is bad odds for, for everyone. Um, if you you choose to gamble on it um but other than other than that the actual tire model the newest update to it i like um i, I don't know why specifically it, it feels kind of odd because i'm used to like burning the right rear off, or right front off and now you burn the right rear which makes sense in some situations it just you have to drive it so much different um i feel like i'm more competitive on it not because we're bunched up, because that definitely was an effect of it. I actually hate the fact that, you know, in the trucks right now, it's plate racing almost at mile and a half. Um, but I definitely like, you know, in the cup car and stuff where it takes a lot more talent on, on short tracks to not spin the tires and to keep the tires on the car. Um, it, it's a different situation from where it used to be charge the corners and just go hard, 
all the time and any mistake was time lost at this point now it's time lost if you overdrive the car and it's definitely when the tires get hot it takes them a long time to recover and that you suffer for quite a few laps instead of just that one lap yeah for the most part if you slide them on this tire model you're probably screwed completely because you're going to try to get back in that rhythm while your tires are hot and then you really get them hot and they're wearing and wearing and wearing and wearing. By the time you finally like realize, oh shoot, I've burned my tires up, you're like 10% behind everybody else and you just start fading. Um, so it's really important to like stay on top of that. Um, caps, like their, their tire indicator, that stopped working. So like that advantage that people used to have from knowing when their tires were getting hot, they don't have that anymore. And with the current way the tires are, they get hot very quickly. Well, we'd like to wrap our traditional question and in what do you find is your most memorable moment in iRacing? I would definitely have to say um, that it was getting my first RTP win this year. Um, it was actually a really crazy race. Martinsville never has pit stops, and there was a lot of stress around, should we actually pit? And it came down to, you know, we pit with the cars around us, came out, um, back a spot i believe and the caution came out with 20 to go and you can talk about stress you know knowing that you probably need to finish where you are or better um to end up making pro and we were running p2 at the time and once we got back down into p3 immediately got back to p2 and actually chased down the guy that had led every single lap of that race made the pass and you know, went on, went on to win the race, not without having to pass two lap cars in the last two laps is Mitchell uh, DeJong right up my butt. Like I was waiting uh, to get the bumper, but it was, it was just a crazy race. And I know everybody on the team was really hype. Um, you know, Vicente won second split that night as well. So like we sweeped, we sweeped the top two splits and it was just a, an incredible, incredible race and incredible setup from everybody that put the time in. Well, it was very exciting when uh, when Michael came on and told me y'all both made pro. And uh, again, congratulations. We're not really supposed to have a favorite, but I've been on the track with you so many times that I can't deny that I'm going to be rooting for you to, to make Coke this year. Yeah, I appreciate it. A lot of time you know, and effort has gone into it from everybody at Elliott Sadler Esports. And, you know, we just want to make that. We want to make it happen for everybody and you know, make that time um, worth something. All right. Well, thanks for coming by, Garrett, and we will see you on the track, and good luck. Thank you, David. News topics are sponsored by Schoolyard Setups. Struggling to crawl into the top 10 in Road to Pro, always in the back of those Xfinity series, and can't find that extra 10th to compete for wins? Visit schoolyardsetups.com to get race-ready setups for the A, B, and C series each week. Enter referral code 207124 when you sign up to let them know you heard about it on the iRacers Lounge podcast. Don't get bullied around the racetrack again. Go to Schoolyard Setups, 207124. Please use that. And with that, let's talk about a uh, driving legend, Mario Andretti, has been spotted on iRacing. Can you believe it? So we have spottings. Uh, uh, Podium Esports uh, saw him in a practice. Uh, oh, actually, it was Ron Caps. Um, put up, Ron put it up on his Twitter uh, that he saw Mario in a practice. And then, uh, sure enough, we got a tweet from Mario uh, that he was going to be a, in an event. And uh, Monday Night Racing said, 
uh, racing legend Mario Andretti has entered Monday night's championship four event at the Indy uh, Motor Indianapolis Motor Speedway with the IndyCar for the Tufco 125 on Podium Esports uh, Monday, September 28th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. It's definitely exciting to see all of the, the legends come in and get a chance to get some of those competitive juices flowing again without, like we heard probably on a recent podcast, without having to worry about cr- crashing into the wall and, and not being able to walk. Now, if you go and click on Mario's name and go to his Twitter feed, you'll see his rig. And uh, he's got a Sim Experience uh, wheel. Uh, can't tell what pedals those are. Those are some big monitors. You got some big, like, those are like 50s, maybe? I don't know, 48s, 46s, maybe? I don't know, they're really big, you're right. Triple triple monitors. Got a pretty comfy-looking seat. Uh, what do you think of this uh, rig? Not too bad. For Mario Andretti. Those are some, like, crazy, crazy monitors. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the field of view? Well, it's okay, but but it's too much. I, I mean, I think there's a thing that's too big of a, mo- a monitor, you know, because everything is a kind of out of perspective, right? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think when the monitors are too big, it throws your perspective off a little bit, be my guess. I've never had them that big, but I'm just speculating. It would be interesting to see. Well, it'd be interesting to, you know, if, if uh, any of our listeners are, you know, rocking something bigger than, say, you know, a 32 inch. So 32 inch and above, um, hit us up. Let us know if, uh, you know, what we're saying makes sense. We think, and I'm very much, you know, on the side with you guys there, I think it would just throw the perspective off, right? Everything's just that much bigger, but, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to know from, you know, people that, that have those large triple setup monitors. Look, when I bought my triples, money wasn't an object. I was going to buy whatever was going to be best. And I did my research because I always do my research. And 27 inches is a sweet spot. That's what I learned from the research. And that's what I got. And, and I agree. I mean, I think how you tell is when you see that on, on screen steering wheel and your steering wheel in, that's in your hand is approximately physically the same size, that's the right perspective. We've uh, we've we've done some reviews and stuff of of uh, guys of uh, rigs with those projection systems, and it's really really big. Like that Cobra, that thing was huge. The screen on it, and uh, yeah, that, I imagine that perspective takes a little while to get used to, if if at all. But if you have, I wonder if you if you have that much extra screen space, couldn't you adjust? I guess basically the pixel density of sorts, you know, to make the wheel the right size. And then you just have a, a taller field of view, like you can see further up and further down. Yeah, I guess if you could scale it, scale it like that, where where um, you can bring down the graphics to the size you want, but still keep the big screen. Um, yeah, you, you'll probably have a lot of stuff in your peripheral vision and 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 whatnot. So that might actually help pretty good if that's possible. I know a lot of the guys that uh, run the triples, the, the one drawback is they can't really see that much of the, sometimes they can't even see all the gauges on a car. Yeah, that's true. I don't see the gauges, um, but that's how it should be um, if you have the right FOV. But if you had the right FOB with the large monitors, but you had it scaled to where the wheel was still about the right size, you might have a little bit more range to get those gauges to show. 
this whole discussion about scaling, I'm not sure how that works with FOV, so I'm not going to comment, but I don't think it would work. I would think it would look zo kind of zoomed or something. Well, it wouldn't work unless you had your monitor sitting uh, lower, because if you had the gauges in view, like uh, we're, you know, we're talking obviously like cup cars, um, but if you had them, uh, yeah, sorry. If the monitors were kind of below your your steering wheel, then you could kind of look down. Otherwise, you'd always be kind of, you know, you, you'd have to lean back and, and look up in order to have your uh, gauges, you know, showing. Yeah, so that there would be an actual physical limitation on how low you could put them based on perspective, yeah. Okay, so, you know, you could always take five uh, regular monitors and turn them vertically to get the same effect and have that more vertical FOV. Uh, we've seen a displays like that before. That's pretty crazy though. Yeah. Write in and let us know what you think, guys. Moving on. Uh, Amuka? Um, how would you pronounce this one? Amica? It's Canadian. I don't know. Uh, where's Greg when you need him? Amica Esports acquires iRacing's top team, High Performance Motorsports. They announced uh, that they've acquired them. Interest was peaked after seeing the Pro Invitational Series on po on Fox, um, and the executive officer Ben Farman said, "We feel that eNASCAR Series has the potential to be the next top tier esport." So this was interesting um, because high performance motorsports. I mean, they're involved in the Road to Pro and the Pro, and and they've graduated some drivers into the coke series um so they're they're very well known and you know i i'm i've talked with uh one of the main people over there and uh, nick morris before and and they got some good people you know and uh i didn't know it was worth money though i didn't know you know if you're if you're one of these proper i racing teams it's not a coke team you know necessarily you know like uh Steve Latart Esports. It's not Austin Dillon, you know, Esports. It's, you know, a proper iRacing team, and they were worth money, and they actually traded money and uh, between organizations uh, to purchase into this deal. So it makes me wonder what, what value, what holds the value? What is the equity? Sponsorships and uh, being able to sell those sponsorships has to be it right right money talks you know just just like yeah just like the real thing but like this is the first time that we've heard of money being exchanged so now that the game has literally been changed it's um i don't know like <laughs> does this make this like it just makes it that much more you know a legit thing i mean kind of hard to argue that at this point in time um you know at the beginning of the year i really think that kind of flipped the switch for all this but this kind of takes it to the next level quote it says in the article the value is believed to be in the tens of thousands of dollars and so um high performance motorsports you know is getting uh joined with this uh amuka esports now amuka esports is some kind of Canadian esports thing that's already been established, and they're trying to get involved in iRacing. And how are they doing it? By basically buying this team. Uh, and it looks like Evan Pasoko, you just joined us. What do you know about high performance motorsports getting bought? 
Um, my uh, knowledge of it is relatively limited, and that's by design, um, mainly because uh, the directive, when we talk about, um, you know, our coverage on the Coke side of things and, and just kind of in general, is my instructions, at least, are to only refer to the front end team names. Right. Um, and that's obviously because they're they bought into the series. So I actually intentionally try to not dig into the news too much, so that I don't accidentally talk about you know kind of all the uh, the actual teams behind the scenes, and we kind of just refer to those as partnerships. So I'm I'm willfully ignorant in that category, but I, I have seen a lot of people tweeting about it, but I don't uh, have any insights beyond what I think is public. Right, but it's neat to see that. Uh there's there's equity there that people are spending money to get involved uh to you know get involved in these teams on the backside to get uh sponsorships sold obviously and those kind of things yeah i mean and i think that it's it's a relatively new thing you guys mentioned actual money being exchanged and you know two years ago when we got the teams at least in the coke side of things that was basically a buy-in um, that they're supporting the series and, and they kind of use their audience and their reach to grow it. But that was, I think, more so, even though there was money exchanged, that was more so to market, to kind of brand things, to use the platform that those teams or names or companies, whatever it was, had to promote it. This is more so they they don't, you know, it's not like, hey, we have a big following. We want to support this, so we'll get involved, kind of like a sponsorship almost. This is they see actual monetary value in being involved in an organization like that. And I think that's awesome. You have that a lot in other esports. Um, so I, I think it's been a matter of time coming. Yeah, congratulations, Nick Morse, on uh, quite a pretty cool deal. So, uh, Evan, thanks for joining us. Let's get to the Coke race. And, boy, Talladega. And everyone, you know, kind of has that uh, thing from the past. They think Talladega, they think Big Rex and Caution Fest and all that. But, boy, it wasn't really like that. Yeah, it was a pretty good race. And, you know, I think that it could have gone that way. But, you know, and we talked about this a lot on the broadcast. The season opener only had uh, – I mean, it didn't have any yellows, but it did have a big wreck um, on the final lap. And the uh, the most recent trip to Daytona only had four yellows. Some of them was, you know, uh, a big mess. But these guys are really good. And I think that Talladega is substantially easier than Daytona just because they have so much room. So they can just cruise three wide and, you know, drink QT in the middle of the race. Uh, in the case, I think that was Garrett Lowe and not even stress about it. Um, but within that race, which was relatively calm, I'll say, um, you know, there was a lot going on with guys sagging back, trying to, you know, wait till the end, obviously, because of the the major points implications. I think it was a little bit less crazy than I was expecting it to be. Um, but maybe that just goes to show that uh, these guys are, are really in control of, you know, what they're doing on the track. Yeah. And a good story was uh, Jimmy Mullis uh, doing everything he could, you know, to try to get in. And he got that extra point by leading lap one. Uh, so it was fun to watch him uh, throughout the day, um, slightly closing that gap that he had uh, with Alfala. Yeah, and it was tough because that was the battle that we watched at the beginning was, you know, those two and, and Ray sitting, you know, 32nd or whatever, just kind of chilling and Jimmy up there battling for the race lead. And we talked, you know, pre-race it actually last week at Vegas kind of previewing this is I would have almost rather have been in Jimmy's position than Ray's because, 
you know, I feel a lot more nervous defending what I have than going after something and knowing I can leave it all on the line. And if I don't go above the cut line, you know, I, I did my part. Um, and that was the story for the first half of the race. And, you know, we'll talk about it when we, when we go through what happened in it. But of course it turns out that Ray sags back, he gets back up into it. Jimmy really didn't look good on either of the pit cycles. And Steve did a good job of pointing this out that he lost spots on both pit cycles. That would have put him out because eventually on that second trip down to pit road in the green, Ray was able to get up in front of him. And that was kind of the last, uh, you know, bit where the point swung in the other direction, obviously come to find out it was the issues with Logan Clampett getting involved in an incident that he actually goes seventh to ninth. And that's what opens up the spot for Jimmy Mullis. So we thought it was going to be Jimmy having to beat out Ray and, and that bad luck for, for Logan Clampett's a really sour way uh, for him to miss the postseason. Yeah, early on, it was three and four wide racing uh, pack. Uh, lap 25, the running order was Mullis, Clampett, uh, Challenger, Bolin, Ray, Keister, Vincent, Duvall, Zelensky. Uh, <clears throat> it was kind of neat to see the scoring that you guys had up where it was a blue color if you were on the bubble, red if you were not on a scoring pylon as they were in the pack mixing it up three and four wide. And I was I rely on you know, those kind of visual cues for me to keep track of everybody. And we thought about, you know, well, maybe we should do one color for the guys that are bubble guys that are currently above it, one color for guys that are currently below it, but then live in the race, that wouldn't have been correct. Um, so we just did that to give people an idea. And we said, you know, realistically, it was down to three, four guys, you know, guys like Vincent further down. And, you know, they weren't really realistically in a spot uh to to kind of make that jump but i thought it was cool my favorite thing is the live points i know i hyped this up last week that we were going to be using it a lot um and i really enjoy watching that on nbc's coverage when they cover the playoffs and um it was great to see well not great if you're logan but you know as logan was in that incident and was limping around you could see mullis you know minus six five four three two that happened in real time without the graphic there we know that's happening uh, but it's such, such a good visualization. Exactly. And it uh, kind of gives you something to, hey, you should be looking at this. And the other thing that was cool about um, this part was the face cams. You'd show the, the cameras of the, of the guys racing and the intensity. It, it almost seems like it, they're more intense than usual because it's a restrictor plate. Yeah, and some guys, you know, I was joking about Garrett Lowe just just hanging out. He didn't look like he had a care in the world. But, uh, you know, even though I say they're just, you know, riding around three wide, if I'm three wide on track in the sim, me and Steve were joking about this uh, before the race. We were kind of talking about what we thought we were going to see. You know, if, if I'm too wide at Dega, I am clenched, right? I mean, I am white knuckle. These guys, they're not not stressed out. I mean, you could see that they have to be focused because you move up a little bit, you go down a little bit, 30 cars are crashed. Um, but you know, they don't, they're, they're kind of uptight at points. Like they're not moving their body a lot, but they, they're not overthinking things, but they're locked in. Um, and I think that those driver cams have been the coolest thing. We were at the point where, you know, we had like a majority of the field and I don't think zoom could handle it. So now we're down to having kind of the main guys. So we'll have those driver cameras, uh, for all eight of the playoff drivers, uh, when we go to the Roval and, and that's going to be a plan for the rest of the playoffs. Yep, and then lap 35, it was the Challenger, Novak, Vincent, and others starting the green flag pit stops. Lap 37, more came down for uh, about seven others. And then lap 38, the rest of the pack pits. Um, after the stops, they were all packed up again pretty quick, uh, three wide, about 10 deep. 
Lap 47, it was Boland, Smith, Clampett, Duvall. Still clean and green. Uh, starting to think about green flag stops again with 398 to go. Um, at that point, it was, <clears throat> you know, 34 to go up front. It was Keister, Ray, Boland, Duvall, Clampett, Zelensky, Mullis. And, uh, yeah, so it was kind of getting crazy at that point. Yeah, and how about Colin Keister and Malik Ray? run it up front. I mean, that was great to see those guys up in the banks. And, and at this point in time, you know, Clampett's still a top five car. He ran great all race. So with him being safe, Mullis at this point, his uh, gap to Alfala was, I think, only like four points above him at this juncture. And it was looking good for both of those cars. And then uh, it was a waiting game because I know that Justin had given us a report from pit road that some of the drivers were discussing kind of pitting early as in they may have taken less fuel on the first pit stop, as opposed to what I thought was going to be the case where they would have gone a little bit deeper into the race and gone that last one with a little bit less. And most ended up going in that direction. But I think that this race actually, despite the fact that we had yellow, um, I think this race was decided on that second green flag pit stop because that's what picked up spots for Ray Alfala. That's what dropped Jimmy Mullis back, and that's what put Logan Clampett in the group of cars And as it kind of strung out a little bit to, to eventually be where that incident would happen. Yeah, so it was 23 to go when those stops started. It was Eric Smith who almost spun out. And then uh, lap 22, more stops, about a half dozen cars. Lap 21, another dozen pit and a bunch of smoke in their tires on the entry. Um, lap 19, the rest of the pack of pit. So they're kind of spread out there uh, over about four or five laps. And that's, you know, we saw in the first cycle of pit stops that the earlier you pitted, actually happened to work out best. It, it, I mean, obviously, the the more cars you pit with helps because you need to get some speed, but some cars look like they tried to stay out, um, you know, coordinated it pretty well where you had five or six of them hold it single file, get an extra four or five laps out of it, try to see if they could make up time. They only lost. Um, so it seemed to be, for the most part, that that getting on the pit road sooner rather than later uh, was the, the drivers that really – benefited and and kind of did uh better than anybody else and put themselves up front for that kind of mad dash to the end yeah that's always a nervous thing though to pit earlier than you need to and you know because if the caution comes out kind of thing but uh lap 18 uh boy this was the issue we were talking about with clampett uh with duval logan basically got doored like super hard to the wall and like totally nailed it but it was no caution um and then, oh, actually, Duvall got doored down to the inside. I think it might have been a separate deal with Duvall, but Clampett got got destroyed. Yeah, and I don't even think, you know, if he gets a yellow that it makes it any better for him. He probably has an opportunity to, to get some of the damage fixed. I think the only benefit would be uh, if you get a yellow, you get a restart. So maybe there's a, an increased likelihood that Ray or Jimmy get involved in an accident. Um, yeah, but that's just, I, I think I used the term rotten earlier. I mean, I, you feel so bad for Logan cause it wasn't his fault. Um, from what I remember from the incident and, you know, a lot of the time you get in a wreck like that. I mean, I've seen cars be in a big one and get less damage cause you just kind of get knocked around on the quarter panel, spin out in the grass. I mean, he did his best to knock the fence down and, and the car was killed yellow or not. I think at, at that point he knew he was going to be down at the bottom. All right, and then uh, 14 to go. It was three wide pack, again, about 10 deep. <laughs> Bryant, Keister, Cattell, Ottinger, Conti, Smith, Busta, uh, Gorlinski, and others up there. 
Um, eight to go. I mean, intensity was ratcheted up for sure. Um, they have to get by Logan as lap traffic, and uh, it doesn't work. I, I mean, the, initially, the front part of the pack gets by them, um, but there was slight contact about five, six rows back uh, with Gorlinski, and uh, that, you know, took Logan further out of the race. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if I, I mean, so so if that wreck doesn't happen, if if two things happen, one, uh, Logan gets out of the way, um, which is obviously what the drivers were upset about. If he goes high, they can make it four wide easier. It's not an issue. If he pulls to the, you know, two hundred foot wide apron, it's not an issue. Um, but I think, as I said on the broadcast, he was just trying to kind of get swallowed up by that pack, just to have that draft and kind of stay the first car lap down, just so that he wouldn't go any further behind. And if more cars racked out, could have got a couple of extra points. Um, but he should have gotten out of the way, if you ask me. So that's number number one. And then, of course, number two, as you mentioned, that also doesn't happen uh, if Gorlinski isn't uh, a little bit too bold with that slice back down. And uh, he's lucky that he didn't just spit himself off of Logan's nose or he could have been in the fence. And instead, it, it loosens Logan up. He then comes up the hill, and and that's where the caution comes from. So uh, I, I want to say it's both a racing deal and also – an absolutely avoidable incident at the same time. I think it was just desperate. I, I think it depends on how much damage he has, really. Because if he was not a damaged car and where he is in the points, I'm okay with him staying on the bottom. Mm -hmm. But with him destroyed after just nailing the wall, he should have stayed high. And I think he knew that afterwards. He um, he was, you know, very apologetic on social media, to, you know, to the drivers. And like you said, I, I on the radio, I'm sure the drivers were kind of talking to him. Yeah, they they weren't a fan, and I, I agree with you because if if he doesn't have damage, he's you know five to ten miles an hour, depending on where you are on the track, slower than the pack. But with the damage, it was closer to like fifteen, I think, if I remember, and it just wasn't going to work. Um, and if that's probably the season opener at Daytona, I don't think Logan does the same move. But we're talking about a guy that wants to race to win one hundred thousand dollars in a couple of weeks, right? I mean, I think that was just a an uncharacteristic move that was out of desperation because with a car that torn up, his only hope was to, to get some draft. Well, let's, let's put it a different way. If this was an early season race where points you know, weren't being watched like they are now, he probably would have stayed high. Yeah. Which is funny because, you know, of course points in the first four weeks of the season are just as valuable as points in the final four, but it's all about uh, your mentality. All right. But it was a big wreck. Uh, we had a nice interview with Bob Bryant under caution. Good to get to know him a little bit. Uh, who was actually leading the race at that point? Nice to see him up front. Yeah, and of course, he uh, you know gave us some time to chat, and it was nice to talk with somebody under Yellow Guys who wasn't just wrecked out of the race. That seems like that's normally who we're talking to is the guy that's on the hook and done. So, uh, yeah, these guys have been pretty cool about uh you know, giving us a little bit more access. We, we had the, the open mic thing from a couple of races ago, and, and now we're interviewing the leader <laughs> inside of, you know, 10 to go or 20 to go or whatever it was. Um, so, so you know, kind of hats off to the guys for letting us bug them. I thought that it gives really good insight. Yeah, and for the restart, it was Bryant, Ottinger, Cattell uh, up front. But, you know, they packed up, and the outside lane was starting to organize for a three-wide. Um, it was two-wide, about four-deep. Uh, two to go. Bryant was still leading. It, it, Guest and Zelensky making hay on that top line. 
um, coming onto the white, um, but they didn't have enough. But Cattell actually did it. Uh, he won from the middle lane. Um, as they were coming to the, the, the checker there, they wrecked from about 12th on back uh, coming to the line. It was because uh, Busa actually blew up. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's funny because we talked about the engine temps. We're like, this is going to be a big thing tonight. And, we you know, and the, it kind of looked like we had more, uh, you know, at Vegas than we did at Talladega. But uh, there was like that split second where I think he knew it because he just started to pull out a line and then, and then boom, it popped. But Brandon Cattell uh, gets the win. Uh, boy, I mean, do you believe in momentum, you know, after last week and then getting the win this week? Yeah, and he was – it's funny because he, he – and he mentioned this in his poster. He said he tweeted that picture of the winner sticker and said, I got to wait uh, a couple more weeks. And then after he gets the win, he says, just kidding, seven days. Um, and I'm always a fan to see first-time winners. Cattell's had a couple of really good runs. He's also had a lot of races where he hasn't been where he wants to be. Um, so we took advantage of this, and and he really owes, uh, I think, a lot of uh, kudos, if you will, for that win to to Eric Smith pushing him. And, and I guess that was something that those guys had agreed upon, that Eric told him I was going to push him all the way. And uh, kind of unlikely for that middle lane to be better, because when everybody's hooked up, I would say the bottom's probably got an advantage, because they're obviously the shortest way around that trioval. But then also the outside would be good, because they're going to have the most momentum. So out of the three lanes, I would not have said, hey, I want to be the middle. Um, but it, it works out for him, and um, he is the 53rd different winner all-time in series history. All right, and well-deserved. Uh, congratulations to Brandon. Um, you know, looking at points, uh, you know, Bobby Zelensky, like I said, he was uh, on the front, on the outside lane there, coming to the checker. I mean, he's leading the points. He's looking good. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's a tough break for Keegan Leahy, who came into the night uh, with the points lead, um, I don't think we actually have any official regular season points championship. I know that's a thing in the cup series, but you know, that would have been a cool stat to be the regular season champion uh, and said he falls down to third. Not that that hurts him in the end, because obviously now that we go to the Charlotte Roval, those top eight drivers get to be reset in points. And now we get to uh, win in you're in, which obviously favors Bobby Zelensky. Cause I would say there's about a 99% chance uh, he wins at the Roval. He's undefeated on the road courses in his uh, Coca-Cola series, um, you know, career. So uh, big ups for Zelensky for, you know, getting uh, a, just a decent finish out of that race. Gets P4, had a chance to win it there late. And uh, he gets the regular season points championship with 499 total. All right. And the points, uh, the top eight uh, where we landed was Bobby, Michael Conti. Leahy, Ottinger, Lowe, Luza, Alfala, and Mullis. Jimmy Mullis gets the final spot. Yeah, the margin uh, back to Logan Clampett was uh, eight points, which sounds like a lot, but, you know, Logan lost uh, so much, um, you know, in, in that race alone. And uh, it's great for Jimmy because I said – Five weeks ago, five races ago, that if somebody was going to get in there, I thought it was going to be Jimmy Mullis. And at that point, I think it was down in 13th or something. So it's good to know that I don't always just talk, uh, you know, and, and not know what I'm saying. I'm happy that that prediction came true. Uh, obviously, it's a tough deal for Logan, though. But, uh, you know, as he'll be back, um, you know, well above the, the top 20, unless he has a super catastrophic final four rounds. Uh, he'll be back, and, and I think that missing out on this is going to want to make him want it more next year, and I'd put money on, on Logan Clampett being one of the playoff eight in 2021. 
All right. Very good. Uh, so looking forward to next week. I mean, uh, what do you expect? Uh, what's going to happen? Well, fortunately, we get uh, we get one week off, so we get an opportunity to hang out, and then uh, we'll be back on the 13th as we go to the Roval, and I'm expecting a Bobby Zelensky win. Uh, that's the extent of my analysis. I love the Roval. Um, you know, obviously, it's going to be a good preview as, as NASCAR goes racing there here shortly as well. Um, it's one of my favorite tracks on the surface. Um, and honestly, you know, the Daytona road race was pretty, I don't want to say boring, <laughs> but pretty tame. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the same at the Roval. I think we're going to have some chaos because, again, all year we've been saying there is no win and you're in. You have to, of course, uh, be consistent. Well, now there is. So Bobby is obviously the favorite, but who's going to be that second or third placed car to which if something happens, if he has uh, an issue with the Internet, an issue with his you know, SIM, hardware, I mean, lot traffic. Because uh, I think it is going to take something going wrong with Bobby. And it could come down to, hey, Zelensky misses his Q effort, right? I mean, there's so many different places you can make a mistake. Small mistake. Costs him a couple of hundredths of a second. He ends up mid-pack. You know, you get into some chaos early in the race. Um, if if Zelensky finishes this race with a clean race car, though, he's going to win it. Yep, yep. And we'll have to see you in two weeks. And looking forward to that event. And uh, thanks for coming on, Evan Pasoko. Absolutely. Good to uh, chat with you guys, and uh, we'll catch you on the 13th uh, with myself, uh, Parker, and Steve on the call again. All right. Looking forward to it. But the advantage is to the middle as they wreck behind, and Brandon Cadell, a Coke Series winner, gets it done at Talladega. All right, we'll jump back into uh, stories. I think, uh, Brian, you got the next one. Yeah, guys, uh, it's episode three of the iRacing Twitch clips. So uh, they've done two of these before, um, and they are – I am really starting to enjoy these more than, like, the not top tens because the, the reactions of some of the drivers as this craziness is happening around them is priceless. It's it's just a joy to watch. They had um, – they had the one uh, that we talked about last week with uh, Paul Smith. He was the announcer uh, for the PA announcer that hurt himself for the first time. That was really cool. I think there was one. There was one. I think it was a Corvette where a car flip was flipping on the track, and another car went underneath it and wound up riding upside down on another hood for for a little while. That was just crazy. But uh, yeah, it, it's a really fun watch and. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's really cool to see these guys' reactions in real time. Is what's going on. I like the one where um, he calls Ruben Barrichello a noob. Yes, that was fantastic. He's like, you called a Formula driver a noob. <laughs> that was great. And then Ruben comes on the chat and he's like, "Do you know who I am?" or something like that. And yeah. Rubens Barrichello is a noob. I thought that was pretty good. But yeah, I mean, these are very entertaining. Uh, it's kind of neat to see the Twitch layouts that different people have because uh, it gives me ideas of, oh, maybe I should try something new. Well, maybe you need to throw up some uh, high-definition iRacing logos as those are available now. Right off the uh, right off the website, we get those or... You gotta go into the UI, download them. Anyways, they're downloadable. You get the uh, 
series logos, um, as well as like the you know, your iRacing logos all in high def. Um, you can, uh, you know, get them, uh, you know, with text or without text and, uh, you know, throw them up for your banners, do whatever you want with them. Um, but they, they gave them to us, for us. And, uh, you know, as long as they're for, you know, any non-commercial applications, rock and roll. Yeah, pretty cool. I just downloaded the zip file. Uh, it's got PNGs and EPS files in it and uh, SVG. So take your pick. Yeah, this when opened I first, up a PNG here. It looks pretty darn cool. When I first saw this, I thought, well, I thought it was just like logos for your um, iRacing cards. But no, this is like real logos you print out for yourself and, uh, and, and put wherever you want uh, when it's commercially acceptable, I guess. But yeah, that's pretty cool that they're sharing this kind of stuff with the community. I think this website's always been here. I don't think this was something new, but it's iRacing.com backslash resources backslash logos. Okay, the next uh, website is freaking cool. I couldn't believe this when I saw it. Um, it's called iRacingTrophies.com, and you got to go there and type in your name. And when you do, it gives you a nice presentation on a website. Uh it shows my profile picture and my name and career wins, 73, career polls, 55, uh, starts, 2,642. And it shows me my 2020 trophies, um, basically uh, third place or better or fastest lap of the race. You get They have a trophy for that. And as I scroll down, there's a pole trophy. Um First win on a dirt oval was also this year. Um, and it's kind of a neat presentation. And I can actually switch the year from 2020 to last year or clear back to 2008 it goes. Now, my uh, first year, I believe, was 2012, and I went back there. And that's actually where I got most of my wins. It's the longest page. It has all the trophies or most of my trophies of my 73 are on my first year. Yeah, it's, that's a, it's a really cool site. Um, it also it also has recommendations for other people to check out. You know, like influencers like uh, like Matt Malone, who's the uh, the big Twitch guy. Um, you know, you can look up the pros. You can look up anybody. They give you suggestions like uh, Rubens Barrichello, Dale Jr., Scott Speed, and uh, you can look and see what trophies they've earned on their in their iRacing career. And they have a forum signature. So, like, if you're in the iRacing forums, you know how you, below your name, you can put whatever tagline you want or graphic. Well, you can get the HTML code where it'll show, I believe, your name and how many wins and how many polls you have. And, you know, when I saw this website, and it was actually uh, brought up to our attention by uh, Craig Lager from the UK on the forums. He said, I've always been disappointed with the lack of feedback from iRacing after you get a good result. The results screen is a bit dry, and and while we can't stand on a podium, I do think it could do a little bit better than what we have. I have made this website, which lets you view yours and other people's trophy cabinet. I think it's fun to have a browse through, and you can always link your own cabinet in your forum signature. I wonder how he gets all this information. Is it is is this done through iRacing or is there? I mean, I don't know. Is there a way to Scraping access the all this? 
Yeah, it's, okay. it's straight out of the Abbey, Appy database. Okay, that's really cool. Well, you know who won a real trophy in the iRacing colors was Josh Richards. He is the driver of the number 14 Clint Boyer Racing Ford late model, and he took it to victory lane at Indiana's Browntown Speedway. Well done, Josh Richards. I love that paint job, too. The classic blue and red with white number. It's always cool to see iRacing in the victory lane. Um, and that car doesn't have any virtual or real damage on it, does it, Brian? No, it's a pretty clean-looking car, but um, there's a way to get uh, not-so-virtual damage while you're virtual racing. Because uh, OBRL, the Old Bastards uh, administrator, Steve Thompson, he posted in the uh, the website's Discord channel that while he was doing some virtual racing, he got some not-so-virtual racing damage on his wall when his new motion rig system uh, moved and... Uh, put his keyboard mount through the drywall in his racing room there. So uh, I, that was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, it's the first I've heard of like real world damage while, while virtual racing, but we were, we were wondering uh, as a, as a group here, does anybody out there have any of their own stories that, you know, that caused damage or maybe injuries or anything like that while doing eye racing. So maybe you guys can, uh, Get in contact with us at our at our uh, email, which is uh, iRacersLounge at gmail.com. And uh, tell us if you have any, any crazy stories like that for yourself that uh, we can share. We'll, we'll share them on the show. That would be a lot of fun, I think. This is the craziest picture. I mean, it shows his keyboard tray and his keyboard and then a big old hole in the drywall. And not just a small hole, you know, like four or five inches across. I mean, it's gonna, that's a pretty major repair. He's going to have to install some safety, uh, safety barriers help moat next time. Well, maybe just pull it away from the wall. Uh, that's what I would start with. Well, I guess you could do that. That's boring. Haha, <laughs> nailed the first transition. Blew it on this one. <laughs> next up, we got uh, what is it? round one 2020 IRX World Championships. Uh, Monday, they had their first race. Yeah, I and, forgot that they were starting the season again so soon. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. Like, I this one just totally flew right by my radar. Though, I believe we were talking about this last week. Um, well, unfortunately, I didn't watch it. Uh, Greg did, and Greg was supposed to be here to review the race, and that's why we're, it's in here, but he didn't make it today. Um, from what he said in the chat, group chat about the race, it was kind of... Uh, moving people around kind of situations well trying that's to remember how from, rally goes right well that, that's that's just it right like i think last year like the first you know bunch of races were there's a lot of beating and banging and then they kind of um you know settled themselves down like the the further along they went and you know what I, I hey i may be totally wrong about this but this is how i remember it um but uh i'm just there's certainly a lot of a lot of uh, door banging happening. I'm kind of just uh, scanning through the video now, and um, they they definitely make that uh, uh, pretty present. But um, I don't even do. Who won? <laughs> I don't even know. That's why we we need Greg. Greg, come back. Okay, so I'm going to move on. I'm going to go into my regular weekly segment now. Uh, more 
questions on the iRacing UI. Um, so riddle me this. While in the iRacing UI and looking at the grid for hosted events, how can I tell whether I'm looking at a practice or maybe a practice of qualifying in a race? And I started looking and I'm like, I don't think you can tell. Again, maybe I'm blind and miss it. It's not the, the first time I've missed something in the UI. But, you know, I, I, I like to go into hosted. I like to run hosted events that are races. I don't want to run hosted practices. So when I'm on the website, it's really easy visually to see which one's a race and which one's a practice. But on the new UI, I just can't figure it out. So anyway, let me know if that, uh, what I'm missing there, guys. But uh, I don't want to join a hosted practice. And speaking of the UI, uh, David, we got a patch two release notes. Yep, it made a few changes to the classic member site, including the help and support button on the home page, actually opening a documents and tools page. Um, some changes to the way the purchase discount works. Uh, something along the lines of change they changed the the way it's calculated, and it's automatically applied to your cart if you own more than forty or more full piece price pieces i guess is the change that it used to be 30 or more and they bumped the number up i'm not sure i thought it always did calculate so i'm a little confused about what this is yeah it doesn't really clarify what the change is yeah i was gonna say i'm pretty sure it's always been yeah 40 was the magic number and then there's a lot of little small fixes to cameras visual effects uh, rendering support for xbox one elite controllers uh, in wireless mode has been added uh, some small tweaks to the cars, things along the lines of new setups. Uh, and I, I guess we didn't add this to the script, did we? That they've added, they're adding a lot of new setups. Well, it's a later story, setup. but okay. it is part of this release, I think. Yeah. Even though it doesn't detail it. Uh, yeah, it just says that uh, setups have been added, particularly for a lot of the oval races and uh, the McLaren MP430. Well, let's talk about that now. So what they added was when you go into a fixed race in NASCAR anyway, um, A, B, or C, you're going to see two sets now to choose. You're going to have the normal tight fixed setup, but now you're going to have what they call an open setup that, that iRacing is providing um, during those races. That's my understanding. Or I thought they were just adding more setups to the, to the uh, default sets that are available. I yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Right. I don't know that you can choose in in a fixed race yet. Or not. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think these are going to be setups for open races where you'll have two sets available in an open race to pick from. Yeah. You know, the the standard fixed and the and the new uh, open setup that they call it. And oh, I see. He wouldn't come out and say it recently, but you know, Tanner McCullough has been one of the one of the free sources of really good sets for quite a while and he was picked up by iRacing just recently and that is uh i'm gonna it's a pretty good supposition that he's probably the source of some of those setups okay that kind of makes sense timing wise for sure yeah i guess that makes sense i, I guess i misspoke is so you're saying you go into an open race you go into your setups and you hit iRacing up in the corner you're gonna see two to choose from and if you read if you read along the uh 
the tweets, I, I think it's Greg West that, that said something along these lines. They want it to get a little bit more back to not, even in the open series, not having to be paid to win. I think it's a great idea. Um, I, I think, you know, that they should have a competitive set available that's provided. So these one-off people that are on teams don't have to be on a team. I mean, I mean, you almost have to be on a team to be able to get a competitive set these days. So maybe this changes that a little bit. You know, I saw Tyler uh, Hudson in the forums about a couple hours ago asking, has anybody tried this setup on Talladega yet? Trying to get some feedback. Probably not the best track to try that on. Um, I think next week will probably be a lot better test for how these sets up setups really work. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I thought it was really interesting because Tyler Hudson, you know, he's he said one of their goals is to bridge the gap between our, the fixed and open series to to minimize the impact of learning curve that typically comes from the opening open season. So so if you spend all your time running these fixed races and then you go you want to try open, you know, you can get this set and uh, be very competitive and uh, and hopefully it'll narrow the gap between the uh, learning curve between those two series. Maybe it'll get some more interest in people, you know, running more open races and uh, dealing with probably faster cars, looser cars probably for sure, and uh, make them better drivers. Especially since this the package come out on the A car, it's the fun of running the fixed races on any of the mile and a halfs without being able to have any differences in the sets is it's just pretty low because everybody's just you can't get away from anybody yep and that's why we run open pretty much there were quite a few other going back to the patch there were quite a few other car updates a few track updates including at the nuremberg ring there was an issue where some people couldn't see the grandstand um in which they were, or no, I'm sorry. There were some fans that would be visible while the grandstand in which they were seated was not there, and it was disappearing. Uh, also, the Nashville Fairgrounds had an issue with the front stretch pit wall wouldn't be visible on low detail settings. That would be a, a terrible experience to just run into a wall that you can't see. Shocking. Well, how about we shock you a little bit more um, for anybody that you know is kind of under the under a rock and haven't heard about the next year's schedule uh bristol dirt uh <laughs> spring at the spring race um that's pretty darn crazy um i was like 50 years since uh nascar's uh, premier series is run on dirt and we're gonna bring it in for uh 2021 and a so, points race yeah yeah that's I mean, I am absolutely intrigued. I know there's, uh, um, man, there's there's so much on on either side, but uh, I'm I'm on the let's try it out and see what happens uh, side of the fence. Um, but of course, you know, uh, people are gonna be like, well, if it's on the real track, is it gonna be on iRacing? And uh, Steve Myers posted up on Twitter that they they've already been working on working with SMI on it. And they got sent the data last week for them to start modeling. Uh, they don't have an ETA on it, uh, but I believe the spring Bristol will be after um, uh, the was it the March build? 
So I would have to guess it. They would have it ready for for March. What do you think? Yeah. Here's open. You know, a lot of people have been clamoring that they should go to a a regular dirt track, but the uh, the one issue there is usually the number of fans. Uh, n- none of those can hold Facilities. the number of people that that Bristol can. Yeah. Now, I know they've they've covered Bristol and dirt before, but I don't think it was even for any of the top three NASCAR series. Was World it? of Outlaws. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, they were running like twelve and thirteen second laps. The the groove though was way down on the inside wall in the corners, um, so the apex was like real low. Oh, you know, I'm really excited to see this. This is really going to shake things up. Um, I mean, it could totally be a huge shit show, and there's probably a good chance that it that it's going to be. But I'm hoping out that it's going to be uh, um, exciting. I mean the uh, you know, the build-up to it is going to be a lot of fun to, you know, to watch and and kind of follow along with. So, yeah, it's it's neat. It's different. Why not, right? Just imagine that first time around with all the NAS drivers trying dirt out for the first time. Let's talk NIS and the schedule a little bit, too, because I'm happy about the dirt. I mean, I think it's kind of a neat idea. I'll probably run okay, but I'm kind of miss running bristol twice a year i mean we we've been doing that forever and now we're only going to run it the pavement one once a year for nis and then the road course oh my god there's six road courses now i'm gonna be toast yeah greg's already thrown a party that's where he is he's he's hung over from celebrating after the schedule so that's gonna hurt you know the oval drivers uh, like myself um because we're gonna hurt on those weekends we're gonna do crappy and uh but I guess that's how it goes, and I'll just roll with it. But um, uh, kudos to NASCAR for mixing it up. They said they were going to mix it up, and they did. And, uh, you know, I'm a little shocked that the dirt race is a points race. But, hey, let's do it. And they're, and they're going to Nashville, too, which is uh, the track that just came out on iRacing last time. That's right. And then uh, Chicago's gone. Uh, what, Kentucky's gone. And Atlanta, we go to twice now. And no, Darlington. Darlington and Atlanta. Right. Yeah. And then the, the horsepower package. Let's talk about that. So um, the 750 horsepower they're going to do at um, Darlington and Nashville as well as all the, every, all the sh- shorter tracks, shorter than those. But uh, also in the, that package, they're lowering the downforce quite a bit. They're taking the spoiler from eight to 2.75 inch they're going to redo the radiator pan so it doesn't produce uh downforce and the spoiler is cut down to like a quarter inch on the front um what do you guys think of the the package changes when i heard they were pulling the downforce off the car i was excited to tell you the truth me too sorry brian now is that just for those uh you know races that they're switching yeah, okay. So they're still going to have that big-ass spoiler and all the other stuff. and The one-and-a-halfs and, and bigger, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd be okay with, like, the, you know, the little horsepower and still ditch the um, the downforce stuff. Right. But you know what? Uh, we could chip away at it. I mean, we got a new car coming after next year anyways, so that changes the whole ball game. 
you know what as a stopgap yeah it's it's good at least they're at least they're uh you know changing stuff yeah the best way to encourage passing is to actually have to get off the throttle right i think you're gonna you're gonna see a lot more races like the xfinity cars do and they they typically put on better shows really than the cup cars and i think that's gonna it's gonna be a lot more like the xfinity now it's just bringing us back to where we were in 2016 before all this nonsense with the yeah all right let's keep going uh there's a post in the forums from Ian Gibson saying all the PA announcers sound American. Uh, and uh, uh, even when you're at other tracks in other countries and staffer, David Tucker actually responded that the, actually the announcer is Australian um, and they've been trying to get local voice talent to make environmental sounds more authentic. Yeah. They said that they had a, a French announcer that uh, is uh, in the queue for coming out. So uh, that'll be cool. Yeah, but probably, I think that's he probably makes spa a good as point. well. I think they. I think that's a good point. You know that uh, they're having uh, drivers or tracks in different European countries and having an American announcer. It's just kind of probably sounds kind of weird. And I know they want to get these these uh, ambient sounds to get as authentic as possible. Um, they did say that I have a little trouble getting local talent to to uh, to do this. So uh, I think it's probably just a matter of time before they get it done. The it's interesting on the ambient sounds. You know, you, we've spoken about how it sounds like Charlie Brown sounds, but uh, there was a couple of times when I was just sitting in the garage that I could actually make out uh, some of our podcasting colleagues' voices and actually understand the words they were saying. With the engine off, if you're just sitting there listening, mm-hmm. yeah, you could hear Greg West and Kevin out there. <laughs> uh, how about this next one, David? This was a late breaking story that came in just like an hour ago. Um, there's a charity at SEC National, and they're putting out an iRacing package that's for oxygen. And you're going to get a WR1 chassis from or designed by Junior Motorsports, and you're going to get a chance to race with Chase Briscoe. They call it a one-of-a-kind iRacing package. Wow, the current bid, $5,000. There's still five days left to bid. Pretty neat deal. It's always know. is that cockpit worth five thousand dollars? Well, anytime you're paying for a charity, you're paying part of it to the charity, right? Also, um, you get to actually have some time hanging out with a top driver, so that that adds to the value. Yeah, and it's the Junior Motorsports edition of the WR1, but it includes a computer, thirty-two inch monitor, adjustable seat. Fanatec steering wheel, keyboard with touchpad, and a wireless gaming headset. Yeah, with all of that, you know, where it currently sits, yeah, it's five grand is not a bad deal, I guess. Oh, um, I didn't see this part. Two-year subscription to iRacing that comes with 2000 in credits. Well, then it's wow. pretty so it's much really worth a, it right now. It's only a 3K <laughs> rig then, yeah. That can buy you all the content easily. Imagine if you're one of those who basically already has almost all the content and you buy this. Well, Speedway Children's Charities is the uh, charity. And how do you find this? Well, go find Steve Byers on Twitter. He Twittered the link to it. You can also go to our show notes and we've got a link right to the tweet. Yep. So it's October now, guys. So uh, 
uh, iRacing put out a little post on their uh, on their uh, Twitter account. Uh, so what do you do when it's six o'clock and trick or treating starts at seven thirty? Well, uh, they have your solution for you. They have a, a pit crew full of skeletons. What's a what's a pit crew with a uh, skeleton costumes on it? But hey, uh, it's pretty good. And look, they look really good. Actually, they're uh, pretty convincing looking skeleton costumes. Yeah, I thought it looked pretty good. You know how people throw candy out at parades? It'd be funny if when the pit crew jumps out, they throw a bunch of candy out on pit road. Some Jolly Ranchers and stuff. Love it. Yeah, I, I, we need to do our, we need a fresh paint on our pit crew, maybe. All right, with that, we're going to go into housekeeping notes. Uh, don't forget to send us shows, uh, ideas by email, irishersloungeat at gmail.com. Um, we're in regular rotation over at Performance Motorsports Network. And with that, let's talk fantasy. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fantasy. Boy, you know, excuse the language, but I completely shit the bed last week. Um, I think... I was doing my best to be in last place for the race. And I know I was pretty darn close. And what that means is uh, my gap that I had is shrinking and <laughs> it's shrinking fast, really fast. We're, um, uh, cause I don't want to do a bunch of math right now, but we're well below a uh, hundred points. 60 or first 70. And second. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh it don't take much to surpass that. So there's not a whole lot of movement within our top 10 this week, but, um, you know, there is a little bit. Now that race was, uh, tough. And what, what's going to be hard now is, you know, the next two races, um, they're kind of wild card races and, uh, it kind of close your eyes and, uh, just point your finger somewhere for the most part. But, uh, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So a quick rundown of the top 10 this week. Um, TG1 Racing, myself, barely gripping onto first place. Uh, Red's Dog, he's, he's making that charge. He wants the top spot. He wants that trophy. Um, GI Jojo has taken over the third place spot. And he's, um, you know, well within striking distance himself. In fact, there is a five-point difference between uh, second and third right now, I think. Nope, sorry, my bad. That is a five-point difference between third and fourth. Smiling Ninja is, um, she's still in the game. Certainly still in the game. KBM is in fifth, just in time. Sixth place, Kerry Seal, seventh place. Laird Racing is in eighth. Uh, Jedi McFly, Mr. Chris Scales, he's... He's hanging on to ninth place. I mean, he looks like he might just have to be happy with here with the top 10, the way he's going. But, uh, you know, that gives me a whole off season to, to rip him about that one. And uh, Team 207 uh, rounds out our top 10 this week. So we got uh, Talladega coming up. Um, we got a lot of good, you know, uh, plate racers that are still in the playoffs, which you know, Beg's question is, is do you play them? Do you, do you roll that dice with your, uh, you know, your big playoff guys, you know, guys like uh, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, um, 
those would be the the top two that I would be um, thinking about rolling the dice with. But do you use them now? Do you save them for you know a little deeper in? Uh, I mean, we 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 have those thoughts every every plate track, but uh, yeah, this one's a this one's a big one. And then, uh, but hey, you got to get your picks in to to make them count. So don't forget uh, to get your picks in this weekend. Um, and let's see what uh, what kind of leaderboard we got uh, next week. All right, we're getting down to it, man. It's fall, summer's over, and with that, let's jump into hardware software. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. I'll start out with the RTX 3080 launch. Uh, can't get any worse is the uh, title of uh, Jay-Z Two Cents video. Uh, he put out, um, and they're having trouble with the cards. And uh, Robert Robert Cook in the forums uh, puts it in layman terms for us. Here's what he said. He said, apparently some capacitor arrays, cheaper ones that are easily ID'd on site, if you know what to look for, are causing the cards to crash if they exceed their base clock. This varies by manufacturer and manufacturer model. From what I get from the video, as long as you don't overclock your 3080, you should be okay. The author of the video says that manufacturers will probably issue a VBIOS update that will eliminate the issue by not allowing the card to run at a clock speed that could cause it to crash. Now, you know, like unless you're doing, um, you know, like video editing and stuff like that, would there really be a need to overclock, you know, for like gamer? Because that's what a lot of us are as gamers, right? There actually be a need to overclock this thing right now. Well, not right now, but we, we had a good discussion about this in, in our chat. Uh, there's no such thing as for future-proofing technology. Um, you know, so at some point, this will be obsolete, and people will start trying to squeak something out of it. Yeah, three years from now? Well, yeah, exactly. But I was addressing, you know, they, they know that this is an issue, and they'll issue a fix, you know, um, shortly, I'm sure. Uh, but if... You know, you got bleeding edge stuff. Um, yeah, that's that's why I'm asking that, right? Like, I don't think anything. There's not a whole lot out there that can really uh, touch that game wise or sim wise. Um, you know, there again, I could just be speaking out my butt. I may not even realize that. You know what? This thing is needed for stuff, but um, kind of seems a little gratuitous to try and uh, you know overclock the hell out of it. Um, well, uh, I actually have a former student whose doctoral thesis was in turning GPUs into CPUs, essentially, because they, they work just a little bit differently. So I could think of some, they use those in a lot of mainframes that run the big scientific Bitcoins. simulations. Yeah, well, not just that, like, you know, doing simulations of the universe and dark matter and all that kind of stuff. They will, uh, they'll, they'll use these this equipment on their mainframes, not just the CPUs, but GPUs to do those simulations. So that they could probably push those to the limit. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and stuff like that, I could certainly, certainly understand. Um, but then, you know, you wouldn't get like a 380, you'd get a 390, but uh, I kind of think just for the regular person that just, you know, wants the, the bleeding edge stuff to run their games more or less just to be like, you know, Hey, look what I got. 
type thing because I still, yeah, for a regular person not doing, you know, crazy simulation stuff like that or, you know, major video editing and stuff, I really don't see it, you know, pushing a card to its absolute max out of the box. Well, it's so easy to do in the software, the drivers and the, you know, there's buttons you can push. And I've seen that st stuff in my video so uh, card software before, but I don't think I've actually tried to overclock that video card, um, even though it's a pretty good one. Um, now, I have done it with the PC, with the um, actual chip for the the CPU, but not for it with the card. I just don't see the need with iRacing. Now, if you're doing something else, yeah, you know. But uh, anyway, another reason not to buy first-generation cards, because the manufacturers are going to learn from this. They're going to adjust this capacitor array, I'm sure, on the second-generation card. So they could be overclocked, I would assume. And to Tony's point, it is overkill these days, but that's uh, why, unless you're one of those guys who just has to have the latest, um, you probably don't need this card yet. Something you might not need but might love to get is this new GTX from Cube Controls. Boy, what a beauty. It's uh, running for just a little over 1,300 euros. And yeah, it's uh, especially if you don't run VR, so you like having a, having gauges right there on your wheel. It's got gauges. It's got all kinds of pretty buttons. Uh, it's got three rotary wheels that, that are kind of thumb rotary, which is new. I've, I've only ever seen two at the max. Is that yeah. the, And I guess that at Cube is actually their logo. Um, yeah, it's very nice looking. It's, yeah. it's There's a faux suede cover there's three paddles on each side on the back side of it um that's very handy i have that and uh it's very useful my only question is that display screen you know it's kind of cool that it's attached right to the wheel man but you know if you're turning you might have to turn your head with it to see what's on the screen if it's something you actually information you might actually need well if you're doing if you're doing formula racing you, you make most of your adjustments on the straightaways Call it the GTX is what they call it. And uh, Cube Control, I think we've always thought that their previous version was probably one of the most expensive, you know, elite wheels out there. And this is like their new one. So, yeah, check it out. So we got another uh, product coming out. This is from Derek Spears Designs. Um, they, uh, they, they want to let you guys know that if you're interested – they have finally released their P310 Bluetooth wheel module. Uh, so it's actually a button module that uh, work goes on your uh, wheel and uh, gives you options to have buttons without any wires, adding it to a, a wheel that otherwise does not have those. Um, it's pretty cool because uh, it's even got shifter paddles on it. Um, it works with the, you know, the hex, uh, seven meter, millimeter hex uh, pattern wheels. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I used I have Derek Spears Designs equipment for uh, my side panels on my Fanatec, and their, their stuff is top-notch quality. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, I think uh, the Bluetooth aspect of it is really going to help quite a bit for uh, somebody who, who needs buttons and have, have been uh, hesitant to get them because of the wire issues. Now, what base can we put this on to figure that out? But I assume it's SimuCube, too, because he sells those as well. Um, and it's $389 U.S. And after the trouble I've had with my Fanatec um, Universal Rim uh, Hub, boy, this thing's looking pretty. Yeah, I think, Mike, you 
be able to just attach your uh, your rim directly to this. Um, I think it's a standard pattern that uh, that Fanatec uses, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Right, but will it fit on the DD1? Correct. That could be the issue. Um, I know they make some adapters, but then you're buying more stuff to make this work, I guess. Yeah, check it out. Pretty cool uh, Bluetooth, so you don't have to have the cord. For you Formula drivers out there, we have the rig that claims that it is the closest thing to the real Formula One position that you can get in a simulator. It's actually put out by Telios, um, and it's been designed for, it's an MK8 sim rig that's been designed for Charles Leclerc. There's not much on their set website right now. It's under construction, but they, we do have a couple of Instagram posts here, and it's a pretty neat looking. Uh, definitely heavy duty uh, casing on the other side. I'm not sure what the purpose of that is. To I don't know if you can do triples if it's even set up that way. Oh yeah, I guess you can do the triples, but it's got a huge overhang on the on the back side or the front yeah, side. It, it's very uh, odd. Like you said, this this capsule that it's kind of the front side of it's all in, enclosed i guess you should say so i guess it's to keep it dark um but i guess it's to make it look really sharp from the outside you know um when you're just looking at it it just doesn't look like your normal rig because it's got this sleek design you know cover over the front part of it but what is the purpose of it does it you know help you race i don't think it does yeah, definitely slanted to uh, to match the um, the seating position. I don't know how it's that much of a challenge to get the right seating position. I don't, you know, I don't know how you could claim make that particular claim because we're just talking about a few angles. But uh, don't have a price that I could find. No, I they're guess. just trying to hype it. It won't be cheap though. <laughs> Does that does that hood design uh, house a fourth up top monitor? Um, yeah, there's one, see... there's one hiding up there. Okay, here. yeah, that's what I thought. So maybe that's part of the reason why they have that extended hood that wraps across the top of the steering wheel. Maybe that's the whole idea of the hood. Is like you said, let's hide all the monitors. I don't want to see monitors unless you're, you know, sitting in the seat. Right, because if it has triples, you can't even see the left hand monitor on the screen I'm looking at. Yeah, the hood covers all that. Yeah. Yeah, not a fan. All right, next up, uh, we have uh, an awesome wheelchair-accessible racing simulator. Um, wheelchair Mafia posted on their Facebook page this awesome uh, sim rig, and uh, this thing is pretty cool. Um, it's got this handle that she can grab, and it manipulates the, the pedals. Um with this you know lever thing that she's got she just kind of pushes it forward and then it pushes down on the the pedals accordingly uh it's a pretty unique design and this is actually how a lot of real life uh cars are for wheelchair people we had this actually as our driver's ed car uh, quite a few years ago and i got to drive it on a school trip and tried just driving with a hand you'd push it forward for for throttle and back for brake and then just steer with it as well up and down you could basically drive with just one hand yeah pretty cool i, I like to see everybody uh be able to race uh with us so glad to see that the next item it looks like is an 80 20 design for a mount for shifters handbrakes 
and it included mouse pad. Yeah, this was kind of a neat little sleek design, I thought. Yeah, most most companies the mouse pads are separate, and you know they can run you quite a bit of money if you're buying them separate. This looks like uh, it would mount to just about any eighty twenty rig, and uh, house both your handbrake and the mouse pad, and and you know save you from buying multiple things for the same uh, for the same issue. Yeah, that's simsolutiondesigns.com. And it's just different. It's different mounts that come. the The eighty twenty piece is just a sample piece because you're you're going to already have your full your your eighty twenty piece that your shifter is attached to. So it's just a, it's a, um, some nice accessories. And they have some really nice eighty twenty rigs. We've talked about those before already too. But um, yeah, don't forget to check out their eighty twenty. Uh, the basic one is nine hundred fifty dollars. Um, the rates are a little higher than. I've seen elsewhere, but the accessory stuff I love. They have a butt kicker mount for $25 uh, that mounts to 8020, the keyboard mount, and then the shifter mount with mouse pad. That's $105. Uh, they even sell a cup holder, $15. So, guys, we mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago that Barry Rowland had posted on Instagram that uh, he was testing out the new Motion House 4UN uh, motion system for his rig. Well, he's released the full um, full review on his YouTube channel. So uh, it's the uh, it's the Motion House for you, and it's an actuator style motion system that he attached to his uh, his uh, motion to his uh, uh, rig, and uh, he goes over the full review. Um, I did watch it, and uh, his general consensus was that it's a very well made product, very solid. Um, these have uh, the 150 millimeter um, uh, motion uh, shafts on them, so so you get uh, it's like a six inch of travel on each of those actuators, so it can really move you around quite a bit. And uh, he went over the software, dialing it in. It was very easy to dial all that stuff in. So overall, he was uh, very impressed with that system, and uh, his uh, and watched him use it was pretty cool because uh, it really uh, gives gives some good effects. What a great product. I mean, it's got the four, you know, corners that, for movement and it's it's got this big control box, you know, where the power supply and everything is and where you, you know, plug all the cables in and and uh it, you know, a nice little setup, $5400. Yeah, you know, one thing that I did remember from that video that he uh, mentioned that is he had to get a like some kind of a a power uh a power transformer to to use it here so i think there was an issue with that yeah i think there was an issue where he had to spend a little extra to get that transformer to to get it to work in in uh, the united states but compared to some of his other d-box style motion rig reviews what struck me about this one brian is the travel like you said it's got more travel than most of them yeah, that's six inch of travel. When he was setting it up, you know, you go through the different rolls and pitches and stuff. And he, he felt like he was falling out of the chair. He said, because it was it had such a such a long travel to those uh, actuators. I mean, not a not a bad price either. I think for buying, you know, a package out of the box. Now, I'm a little disappointed it doesn't have U.S. power, but I guess you could work around it. So next we have a wheel post with an Instagram post, and it is, this one's kind of interesting. It's a, it's a nice-looking sports car wheel, GT8-X, Pro Series wheel. Uh, 
tons of button combinations, uh, including some kind of flat buttons. That's interesting. Or, or is that labels? I'm not sure if those are actually... No, those are labels, actually. So there's there's four rotary controls on here that are that are on the front surface. It doesn't have any of the thumb rotors, uh, but definitely a nice full button config. Uh, it's got the shortened oval, like the, where the bottom and top are kind of shut off so that you can have it closer to your legs. And it's got a customized nameplate on it and a customized color scheme uh, on this particular post for this particular customer. Yeah, this is hrsims.com. Uh, this particular one is called the GT8X. And uh, boy, I mean, it is, I mean, compared to that cube controls, I almost prefer this one. Particularly if you're going, uh, you know, if you run VR, you, there's going to be no reason to spend money on a display. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I just love the color scheme with the, uh, if you look at the Facebook post, uh, it's got a light blue color on that one. And if you scroll down, they have a, a bright yellow version of it and then orange. And so they got some really neat color schemes uh, for this wheel. These guys are out of Australia. Um, a lot of neat SimuCube type, type hardware as well on their website. All right, they we're going to do one more before we jump to results. Uh, presenting the Formula Sim Rigs FXU from the Netherlands. It's built like a tank, customizable in multiple color schemes, variable options to mount all wheelbases and easy to get in and out. It's available September 1st for a starting price of 995 euros. It's not a terrible price. It's it heavy. It's definitely heavy duty at 8020. At least it look, I mean it's it's four le four length on the uh, as far as how large the profile is. Uh, Bobby would be able to give us a little bit more information on the quality of the build. I like the black color on this particular scheme. It seems like it's overbuilt to me. Yeah, possibly. Um, but those, uh, you know how high they can run that force feedback on those formula rigs. Like for example, look at the uprights for the, the wheelbase and stuff. There's not just one bracket on each upright. There's two, you know, and the base itself is so thick. I mean, it's like eight inches tall or something. I mean, I'm not sure I understand the purpose of the base. Uh, that's, uh, it's the same size as the one that came on my PR P1X. I see. Um, yeah, it's it's basically almost the same design. the The uh, sides are four tall. The posts that come up to support the wheel are three wide. Yeah, that's really heavily built. The, and the seating position doesn't look that much different than the one that was claiming it was the you know the most accurate one there is. Yeah, you you're basically laying down with your Exactly. Neck, neck yeah. I wonder if, what they have for monitor mounts. I haven't seen anything on there. Yeah, we only have the Instagram link for this company. I guess it's VR then. Great. Let's jump to results. Uh, results are sponsored by the Ucora 2020 Throwback Indie Series. Check them out. Let's finish up uh, Vegas, is it? Um, who ran Sunday Open? Well, I, I don't know. We don't have any results from Friday Open. Uh, they must have gotten deleted then. All right, we're going to keep then moving then. We're going to go to Sunday Open. Uh, Tom Dryling ran, got a P5, ran top five all race, pitted a little later than the leaders on the green flag stop. It cost him a lot of time, uh, but I'll take a top five. And uh, Vegas was pretty uneventful for me. Um, now, let's move on to Talladega. It is Talladega week. 
man, I came to the, came into this week with a lot of confidence. I think we all did, thinking we're going to win. So win I, be open. Sorry, let me jump back because I actually did run Sunday open, and uh, my results apparently got taken out of there as well. Uh, and it was P10 in the top split. Got lucky with some – basically just stayed away from the wrecks the whole time and had cautions fall in my favor. Okay, for Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's a good run for top split. Um, that's something to be proud of. Brian, you do run on Sunday morning? Uh, right. Yes, I did. Um, I did do Sunday morning. I forgot to put it in here. Um, I ran Sunday morning at Vegas, at uh, Vegas, and uh, I got a P13. Uh, I started on the pole. I had a uh, you know good run going. Uh, I was in pretty much top five through eight. And Vegas, for me, um, you know, the set I, I used to wound up using a tighter set, and it didn't really manifest until you know until about lap twelve when you're not full throttle anymore around that track. And uh, so I started up, you know, up, up at the top, and I started fading when after the 12th lap, bat lap 12 on a green flag run. So I faded back to probably about sixth or seventh. And then uh, we had a late restart with like three laps to go. And I was, uh, and, and a car, uh, one of the top five cars got two tires on the, on a pit stop you know everybody pit he got two tires and he moved up probably about five or six positions when he did that well uh on the on the next lap uh coming to the start finish line he lost he lost it i guess uh he didn't uh he, the, those two tires just made his car loose and he just clobbered me uh, I was you know I was looking at a top five for sure and then but after that you know I just kind of limped around to stay on the lead lap and wound up p13 we were a little perplexed by the that the Vegas set because we had it completely balanced but it was it would still just fall off faster than the guys around us yeah that's what I remember any kind of long run I was just toast. All right, but this week's set, man, let's, let's talk about that. I mean, it's been really good. And and our qual set uh, was getting us poles. Um, Tony Rochette got pole last night. But uh, so let's talk results. Tony Rochette got a P4 last night. Um, just like David, didn't have any help at the end on the outside, but did get his yearly Dega pole. Uh, David, you got P12. Yeah, I was on the outside, then kind of in the middle, uh, getting around. and just didn't have anybody that would go with me right there at the end. Uh, second split, I think, is where we were, uh, and it just didn't it didn't end up working out with me. I, uh, my Adam was up in top split, and the rest of y'all were a little bit lower. Uh, but I'll take the P12. It survives and sets me up to be able to run good Sunday or run hard Sunday. Um, good set and a fairly tame race until a uh, problem with some cars coming up on the coming up on merging after after pit green uh, the second green flag pit stop that brought out the caution uh got a little unlucky at the end and with the with the last two laps i had to check up hard because i would because i ended up right on the bumper of the guy in front of me and then by the time i got back going the checkered flag was out yeah and then adam jocelyn was in top split like you said I don't know where he finished, but it wasn't great because he did get wrecked towards the end. But uh, he was having a good run and had some good luck uh, as far as cautions and uh, was able to be, I think he was top 10 with like 30 or 40 to go. And then he started getting caught up in crap. I do recall he said he announced he got P20. P20, yeah. And then in my split, it was three of us, Greg, Hector, Steve and Lou Allen and myself. 
and we were uh, all lined up on the inside just riding at the beginning of the first run and uh, I was kind of wanting to go and there were three or four of a, a cars in front of us I was kind of wanting to go but Steve was like nope let's stay back and let's wait so I waited we stayed in line uh, we pitted under green it ended up being a caution free race unbelievably but the first stop, I was timid kind of coming off pit road because Steve Allen, my teammate, was right next to me. He was coming off. I was coming off. I didn't want to hit him. He didn't want to hit me. Uh, he kind of spun his tires. I waited while he, you know, get going again. And that's all it took. Just one little hesitation by me and Steven getting off pit road. And we lost the guys in front of us. They were four or five seconds out. And uh, by the time we got up to speed and, and we couldn't catch them, they were actually faster than us through that second run. Um, and then on the second stop, it went worse. It got, everything got worse because we were about ready to pit and everyone was calling it out in the group I was in. And then all of a sudden they weren't gonna pit, but I still pit. And I ended up pitting by myself. And so I ended up P11. Uh, not real happy with that. I was kind of fuming last night. I ran uh, this morning, uh, Thursday uh, open, and uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It was a pretty good race uh, until I got wrecked. Um, I was in position after the second. It was, again, a caution-free situation almost. But uh, I w after the second green flag stop, I was in the lead pack on the bottom and um, we caught a lapper or we caught somebody who was out in front of the pack. I don't know if it was a lapper, but it didn't work out and uh, we ended up wrecking and I got the worst of it, of course. And I think I finished like 23rd or something. So one more a chance Friday night, uh, I'm gonna run again and hope for that win. Um, I just can't screw up. There's no margin for error and a little luck would help too. Uh, let's jump to uh, other results official. I ran the sprint car P10 out of 16. Hey, that's a great finish for me in that car. Uh, no incidents, it was at Phoenix. And uh, Phoenix is a little forgiving uh, with that car. And uh, so if you overshoot a little bit, it's not a big deal and like some of the other tracks. So I was able to uh, do pretty well uh, with myself at sprint and I went into there without practice, uh, which uh, usually I do practice uh, NASCAR legends. I ran P4. I actually ran as high as P2 After starting 13th, but I got door to the wall. It was North Wilkesboro uh, I think this car at North Wilkesboro is one of my favorite combinations. I always run uh, well there and I thought I was in position to win but um well, if you slip up off the bottom at all and anybody gets under you, it, you're at their mercy. If they touch you at all, you're done. Uh, let's jump we did, uh We did run the Bathurst. Uh, Greg had a great first two stints. And then, I was, and then yeah, and then I uh, I blew it going up at the top. Uh, what is it called? I forget the, the High Line, I think it's called, or Skyline. Right up towards the top, there was another car, a lap car that I had just passed, and he was kind of... He kind of started putting pressure back on me uh, and I just missed a corner and nosed it in the wall and we turned it in for the day. The butt hurt 1000. All right. And uh, that's all we got. So let's go into final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. 
Uh, well, two quick things this week. I was hit. I was bit by the hardware bug this week. Um, I was having issues with my headset, so uh, I missed my uh, Monday night uh, OBRL race because um, I could not get that thing to work right. Um, it kept kept blacking out on me, like I lose uh, lose my visual on it, and uh, and uh, so yeah, I couldn't comfortably do that. Uh, I tried again last night at or at a Talladega's race. I started uh, in the back just to to uh, just to try to be safe because if I had an issue in the middle of a big pack, I knew it was going to be a total disaster. And and uh, but sure enough, it blacked out on me again. So um, I had to wind up just pulling into the grass and 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 leaving the race. So uh, the G two can't come soon enough. That's for sure. Um, but I don't know. I might have to just hang on for a couple couple weeks until that comes in. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's kind of disappointing. And you haven't figured out what the issue is or how to troubleshoot it. Um, I think I think there's something loose in the headset where the wire attaches to the headset because um, if I fiddle with the wires, I get I can get the signal to come back, come in once in a while. But if I'm driving and I do like. Uh, head jerks if I move my head around sometimes that's when I lose my signal so I think there's something loose in that headset there was an issue with the original Rift um, the first one that I had actually had the cable start going bad there because it's actually a, a kind of a proprietary USB connection um, or of some sort not necessarily USB but it's a prop it's a connection that doesn't look like any other end of a cable I've ever seen and uh yeah, it would start it would start getting loose and just going black, and one day it wouldn't turn back on. And that that was a a couple of years ago, actually, right the weekend before Le Mans, and I had to go back to running on a single monitor for a week or two. Boy, what luck is it that you already have a, another VR goggles on order, though, and it'll be coming soon, right? Yeah, I actually just got a uh, shipping notification today that it's going to be coming out um, in early November. They're going to start shipping. All right, so hang in there. Hopefully it'll last, uh, or you can get that thing running until it comes. All right, David Hall, final thoughts. Uh, I'd like to shoot another thanks to Garrett Maines for coming on the show, and I enjoyed interviewing him. That's my second shot at being the questioner. Uh, we'll be popping that in at the beginning of, of the show, so you've already heard it at this point. Uh, I'm excited for him to be hitting it in the Pro Series, and um you know, I'm going to be rooting for all the drivers and rooting for big stories, but I definitely hope things go well for him. Garrett Maines, I raced him uh, this summer in uh, one of the top splits I, I made it into. And, yeah, he's a force to be reckoned with. He is quick, quick. Thanks to him. Thanks to Evan Pasoko um, and uh, Tony Groves, who had to leave early. So he's not here for final thoughts. But uh, my final thoughts, man, Talladega, I'm so hoping for a win. But I come into the week kind of, uh, you know, because bad luck happens. I mean, like today, I mean, I couldn't miss the ruck. I couldn't miss it. You know, there was nothing I could do. I was up front as much as I could be up front, but it wasn't enough. I mean, so sometimes you just can't will yourself to a win. And uh, that's what makes this hard. And it, uh, sport's a little bit frustrating, uh, the sport of racing. But... Hey, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to go for the win again uh, tomorrow night. We have a great setup, and uh, and we're going to get it done. So I'm confident. Uh, the team's confident, and uh, I'm hoping somebody on the team will get one. So with that, we'll see you on the track. Later.
for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.